What up, Wizards fans? A way to help me and help support this show is to go to Sneakers, S-N-E-K-I-S dot com, DMV Sports Apparel, and at checkout, enter playoffs. And all your purchases, I get a cut, and it helps me continue on to do this Wizards independent media that I know you enjoy. Now let's get this show started. Yes, sir. And now... It's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam McGinnis. I'm through with doubt. There's nothing left for me to figure out. I've paid a price. And I'm What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show. We discuss a team that just kicked the shit out of Boston, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is May 6, 2017. Happy belated Cinco de Mayo for everyone. With me today is a man who may or may not be nursing a hangover from margaritas or too many Modellos, Mr. Rashad Mobley. Rashad, what is up, bro? How are you? What's going on? This is a, a rare morning podcast for us, so this everything is a struggle right now. Yeah, I, I did not go out last night. I fell asleep early. I, I feel revived here. This must be what normal people feel like when they get to bed on the weekends at an early time. Very, a lot of adulting, Rashad. Uh, I'm ready for uh, some basketball this weekend. So am I. I uh, I'm I'm encouraged. We, this team seems to have gotten a lot of national attention thanks to Kelly Oubre's temper. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so, like I mentioned, the Washington Wizards blasted Boston one sixteen to eighty nine in Game Three of the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Now Washington trails two to one. A very pivotal game. There was dark clouds surrounding uh, the nation's capital with the Caps losing. The House Republicans not giving a shit about sick people. I just was not prepared for this team to go down 0-3 because then it'd pretty much be over, just similar to what just happened in Toronto last night against Cleveland. And Rashad, they came out right off the gate and got at him. Uh, you were at the game covering it. Your takeaways and your feelings uh, about what transpired on Thursday night. Number one, the crowd was into it from jump. Yeah, they had the red and white towels on every seat you could just see that the fans aren't stupid i think they saw what went on in boston they saw how that crowd was in a frenzy and they saw how physical it was and they were ready to rock and so when when the wizards came out and uh, rashad rashad they also saw potentially how the refs screwed them and they lost two winnable games <laughs> I, I, I know you had to get that in. <laughs> Little, you know, a little more antsy, a little more, you know, especially what's going on with the Caps, but continue. The Wizards went on that run in the first quarter. I think it was a 20-0 run. Yep. It, it was, I mean, that's... 22 was, to nothing, actually. 22 to nothing. It was a perfect storm. The fans got going. You know, from a Boston perspective, 
Isaiah Thomas was very passive in the first quarter, you know, more than usual. And they were good. The Wizards were doing a good job of defending him and getting the ball out of his hands. But, you know, normally you see him force the issue a little bit and he was, he was very passive. And I, there's nothing wrong with him. I mean, apparently his jaw is broken and he's still dealing with the, the tooth issue, but I don't know whether the Wizards confused him or he was slowed down, but that was the difference in the game because the, the Wizards were anything but passive in that first quarter. Yeah, for the fourth straight playoff game, Rashad, the Wizards have an incredible first quarter. In the closeout game against Atlanta, they got out to a big lead. Uh, in this series, they outscored Boston 38-24 to in the first game, 42-29 to in Game 2, and 39-17 to in Game 3. Unfortunately for Wizards fans, Boston was able to come back in the first two games, but this one... Was, I think the huge difference was just the defense. I mean, 39-17, that's a 22-point lead. Boston was completely out of sync. They had no rhythm, no momentum. Another thing that we mentioned going into previewing Game 3, Rashad, was how does Bradley Beal respond? Okay, right off the bat, he comes out and scores seven straight points. The first seven straight points for the Wizards. He hits a big three. The crowd was jumping. They called a timeout. And, you know, Beal, I think, struggled a little bit more with the shot later on, and other players played a lot better, but... Just to see him come out right away, get the momentum of the crowd, and take Thomas out of it really was where the Wizards just grabbed this game by the balls and never let go. Well, he made a point after the game. Bradley Bill said that he wanted to come out aggressive, and that's exactly what he did because he knew he had been struggling. And he also said that he seemed to not hit shit after those seven, you know, after those, <laughs> that first quarter, he wasn't hitting anything. But, I mean, he was. To be, to be honest, they didn't need him after that first quarter. He was hot when they needed him to be, and you know that, that's all that really matters. But it was good that he kind of, without coming out and overtly saying it, he kind of took ownership for what happened um, in Game 2 in Boston and came out and, and really was, was rolling. Because John Wall is, has been rolling the whole series, so it was really up to Beal. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that I thought was just how outcoached Brad Stevens was by Scott Brooks and his staff and the adjustments that we discussed leading into Game 3 was made by the Wizards coaching staff. And once again, Brad Stevens starts Gerald Green, even though it worked for them when he didn't start him. Midway during that 22-0 run, he just like takes everyone out uh, and has these weird small lineups, and the Wizards just kept pounding them. Markeith and Otto. And also, that really stood out as well was just how different... The Wizards covered Isaiah Thomas off that pick and roll, you know, which has just been deadly. I mean, he scored all those points. We discussed this on the last podcast, and they just gave him so many different looks. They hedged hard. They, there was left switching, left going under. They had the help defender coming easier. They double teamed here and there, and, I, and got Isaiah Thomas out of a funk, and they made the ball get out of his hands, and the teammates either didn't make the plays or weren't making shots, or Isaiah just seemed lost and out of it to the point where he even was missing free throws. You know, he's a great, incredible free throw shooter. I think over 90%. He missed like three free throws right off the bat. It seemed like he was in his head, in a funk. Stevens was trying to, I think, do too much. And they never really recovered. And I give kudos to the staff uh, for making the adjustments that we said to make. Or the fact that, you know, they make $7 million, Scott Brooks, to figure it out. And they did in Game 3. Well, Otto Porter was told the media after the game that they looked at film to figure out ways to make Isaiah Thomas work. And... Um, on the defensive end, right? I mean, he, they've been hiding him successfully the first two games. Well, no, it was just both ends on how to yeah. stop him and how to and how to tire him out. And I think one of the things that they did was, uh, particularly Bill, I mean, particularly uh, John Wall and Otto Porter, is they worked him in the post. They backed him down. You know, as Brad Stevens said after the game, typically it's difficult to post up against 
you know, smaller players with a low center of gravity like Isaiah Thomas, but they were able to do it. John Wall just backed them down and either scored or found somebody out of the double team when it finally came, and Otto Porter did the same. And, you know, it was different. It wasn't as if Isaiah Thomas was chasing around Bradley Beal around screens. He was just getting backed down, and, you know, that, that takes a lot of energy out of you, and you don't have as much to give on the offensive end. Not only that, as you said, they were just showing different looks on the pick and roll. And, you know, I'm not going to say Bradley Stevens is without coach because I don't, I don't know that yet. It was a perfect confluence of events where the Wizards were playing with incredible energy. The Celtics were off. I think part of what he was trying to do was find that right combination to get, you know, to find that team that had energy, and he just did not find it. And Brooks takes out Waller Beal. Maybe even Porter not in foul trouble early for no real reason. I don't know, man. On the road in Game 3, I thought that was really bad decisions by him. I think he got right with the good players. Also, Markeith really pounded Crowder. You know, they're going small playing Crowder at the 4. And so the Wizards went right at Markeith uh, on Crowder. They went with Porter, Wall, and Beal uh, on Isaiah. And even went with the Gortai. Got him involved a little bit more early. And, and the Boston was on their heels and they really had no answer. Well, that goes back to the toughness that that Marquise talked about yes. at the game too. I think that when you when you're setting the tone by pounding the ball inside and you're using your, I mean, because let's face it, the Celtics really don't have a strong interior defender. That's not really Al Horford's strength, and so when you're going inside, that you're kind of helping that, bringing out that toughness, and especially with Marquise getting him going. So, you know, I I don't know if that was just that was intentional by Scott Brooks, but it, it definitely worked. I mean. The end of the first quarter, you're up by 22 points. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I thought it was very notable that he kept Wall in all 12 minutes of that first quarter. He wanted him to set the tone and kind of get everybody going. But let's not forget, Bogdanovich also got hot in that quarter, yes. too. And, you know, you could just tell by the way that first shot looked, leaving his hand, that he was, that he was on, and they got him the ball. So that was, that was, that was big, especially since later uh, the bench got a little smaller. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, no, I think... We also mentioned, you know, adjustments, coaching, figuring out what they're going to do. Bradley Beal stepping up, but we also said, hey, some guys off the bench. You know, and Bohan was one that you mentioned. And wow, what did he shoot? He he put in 19 points, four seven from threes. He hit, I think he hit three in a row there, late in the first, early in the second. Uh, right, three for three. Yep, uh, ten rebounds. Wow, he had 19, 10 rebounds. I didn't even know that. And and so here we go, plus ten. And yeah, there's that scoring punch off the bench. But also, Rashad, was that was that Yama Himi? Was he was he on the court? Did he actually play in on a basketball game? I'm almost positive uh, Yama Himi played, and I actually saw him play some defense. Defense. Well, it was it was a complete surprise. We at before the game, you know, you know how there's always somebody to ask him any lineup changes, anything different. Oh, yes. And Scott Brooks was like, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, Himi needs a game time decision, and he said he's not going to play a lot, but. You know, if he feels good after the warm-up, then he's going to play. And he, he went in, he mixed it up a little bit with Jarebko, uh, and he the interior defense makes a difference. You can you can afford to get beat a little bit with Mahimni back there in a way that you can't with Jason Smith and and you can't with, with Gortat, even though he doesn't play with the second unit as much. So if you get beat, as Brandon Jennings does seemingly every time, Mahimni is back there to clean it up. And so he, he made a difference. He was physical and... Brad Stevens said before the game that he expected Mahimni to come in and have a professional effort, and that's that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I think Brandon Jennings maybe had his best game of this series, not at the playoffs, but he was way more in control there in the first half. Doris Burke, who I think is sensational as an analyst on TV, she even brought that up uh, here there in the first half. And the Wizards, 
it was beneficial. The Wizards ended up, you know, the bench didn't blow the lead like they did in the last two games, uh, which also we brought up in the last podcast. And the Wizards ended up in the first half up 63-40. to 40, Pretty much put the rest of this game in cruise control. Uh, you know, I don't know if you really want to talk about much in the second half. Your thoughts on Brandon Jennings on the bench? Do you? I know that you've always uh, been really particular about how backup point guards run the offense on the second unit. And how do you think he ran the offense uh, per se? I mean, he still uh, only had four points, two of five, but you know he's plus ten. He played better. I'll give him that. Um, he he found Bogdanovich a couple times, but I still would like to see him. I would like to see him score a little bit more. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, let's face it, that's what he does. And yeah. this, I mean, throw this game out of the window. There's going to come a point in Game Four where Wall is going to need a breather, and not just a two-minute breather. He's going to need a significant breather. And you would like to see Jennings rolling to the point where. Get, get to the foul line, make a couple shots, right? Get the inner crowd into it. Well, more than that, just get, let Scott Brooks say, John, we're going to keep you on the bench a little more. Let's ride this Brandon Jennings thing yep. out a little more. And so I'd, I'd like to see that because um, I don't worry about him running the team because he can do that, but he really needs to score in a way that Terry Rozier did for the Celtics in game two because that is what that is what will force Brad Stevens to counter him. I mean, Usually when John Wall goes to the bench, that's when Isaiah Thomas comes back in the game. And if Isaiah Thomas has to work just as much to guard Jennings as he does to guard Wall or Porter or whoever, you're keeping him off balance. So it was it was a solid game, but I I think the blowout and you know the performance by Bogdanovich kind of overshadowed what you still have not seen from Jennings. And I, he did it once in the Atlanta series, and he did it in a couple games during the regular season. I just like just even if he's averaging like. 10 points a game and just is a threat on offense to where Boston has to game plan for him and not just load up on Bogdanovich or whatever starter is running with the uh, second unit. We've teased it, but what probably we've buried the lead is, oh my goodness, the fights. All right, these two teams, we know, hate each other. We've covered all those games. I've been at, you know, the funeral game. We have poking, talking crap, all sorts of things, you know, wearing all black, it's just true. The animosity between these two basketball teams, I find it good. You know, a little rivalry. Nobody really wants to call it a rivalry. I actually asked a question that got on SportsCenter uh, this year where both Isaiah Thomas and Crowder denied that it was a rivalry, Rashad. But if you didn't tell me who was going to get into it, I would take Marquis versus somebody. I would take Crowder or Smart versus maybe Wall, maybe Beal. I would never bet that Jan Mahimi and Jarepko would be on the undercard. A little France versus Sweden action. Or that uh, Kelly Oubre and Kelly Olenek go at it. Uh, I would. It's New Orleans, Houston versus a Toronto. For those wondering where they're from, and just at the end, uh, you know, little Brandon Jennings, Rozier, Compton versus Shaker Heights, Ohio. Bef- I, I guess we have to start with the Kellys, don't we? <laughs> well, first, let me say that uh, I used to live in Shaker Heights, Ohio. So shout out to Shaker Heights. There you go. Um, the, Cleveland, for those not wondering, correct? That's right. My mom yeah. was Cleveland. But the the uh, Brandon Jennings fight, it's not even a fight. Brandon Jennings was being antagonistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And he beat a dick. Rogier was way more demonstrative in his actions, and he actually pushed him. And so it was ridiculous that Jennings got ejected. But at that point, you know, it's like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Forget Paris, but there comes a point where Billy Crystal's losing his shit and starts throwing teas and everybody out of the game. I'm, I'm, I'm skewing very old right now, so just forgive me. But the 
Jarepko Mahimi was legit because as one of our as one of my followers corrected me on, from my vantage point, it looked like they just got tangled up and went down. But when you go back and actually look at the clip, Jarepko brought him down. Yeah, and then he shoved him a little bit. Right, and then tried to act like it was Mahimi's fault, and Mahimi got in his face. And you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with Mahimi. You know, that's, oh, that's no. a big dude. No, so <laughs> he is definitely a big dude. Right, but the ref. I mean, both players are. They're veteran players. They know there's a line that cannot cross, and the ref was right there. Now, the ref was also right there when Kelly Oubre lost it. Um, <laughs> what up, Wizards fans? A way that you can help this show continue is to go to Sneakis, S-N-E-K-I-S dot com, at checkout in our playoffs. And I've made a deal with them where all your purchases, I will get a cut, and it helps me. It helps support all the things that we do here and why you continually enjoy downloading and listening to us rant about this basketball team and me tell you how much I hate Boston and the crappy refs that give Isaiah Thomas all those calls. Now, back to the show. Go do it. Sneakers. Playoffs. What was the reaction in the arena when that all went down? Before we go we go off on our... Like when the Kelly, the Kelly Ray uh, Atlantic thing happened. Well, there were there were waves of of emotion. I mean, one. Well, as an aside, I watched Stephen A. Smith talk about it, and he said that it's, it was Mahimi's fault for not calling out the pick, which made me laugh. Now, <laughs> now, Grant, what? It, it wasn't a traditional situation where there was a lot of moving and switching, and there, there was no there was really no time to call out the pick because it just kind of came out of nowhere. So that's BS. But there were waves of emotion because first. Uh, Ubre fell kind of hard, and you couldn't tell whether he flopped or got hit hard initially. And so everybody just stood up and was outraged, was like, come on, are you going to call that? But the ref called it, and so everybody started clapping. And then immediately, I just, the guy in front of me, I was in the, uh, I was in the Raptors. I was in the hockey press box. Yes. So the guy in front of me says, oh, shit, he's going after him. And I looked, and Kelly Ubre was charging, and then you could just see this, <laughs> this look of terror on everybody's face. It wasn't, I mean, it was the kind of look like, Oh shit! Yeah, well, you're gonna get suspended, right? Right. Nobody was thinking. Yeah, yeah, get him. You know, this isn't. You know, it's, this isn't a Wednesday night against Milwaukee in January. You know, and so every, there was just look of terror. There's a good shot you can see online of uh, Staderanski looking like, you know, what 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 is about to happen? And there's a couple. I, there's a couple fans that have that reaction behind the bench too. Right. And so he knocks him down, and I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure Olenek flopped. Then again, I don't want to. So Ubre short because Ubre got ahead of steam, and I don't think Olenek was was expecting it. But I just he hit behind the ref, man. He did, and that's and that's why that's why he's going to get suspended because the, he brushed the ref, and it wasn't. If you keep watching the clip, it's not just that Ubre lost his shit after he pushed down Olenek. That anger was. I mean, he literally had uh, Beal and Morris like rubbing his shoulder. Like that anger did not subside for a minute. He was angry. He was uncontrollably angry. He was like pacing, and you know I have never seen him like that. And Bradley Bill said after the game, he was like, "Kelly is normally cool. You really, really have to work him up to get him to that level." I mean, we've seen Kelly Oubre get in like minor things, but it's like a bunch of bravado. It's never to the point where he was just in an all-out rage. And so I, you know, the look on on Scott Brooks' face after was like, "Dude, what the hell are you doing?" 
<laughs> well, first of all, the, the hilarity that two guys named Kelly, a uh, big, tall, goofy, white guy from Canada, and a uh, young, brash guy that wears a brohawk. <laughs> that just, I just, uh, just love that aspect of it. But once again, this is game three of the fucking second round of the playoffs, dude. What the hell are you doing, man? You're a rotation player. You're We need you. you know, you're not a big you're insurance policy for... Guys get into foul trouble. You're arguably one of our best on-ball defenders with your length and athleticism at times. You know, you can show flashes of, of locking guys down. And, and the fact that you just kind of revved up, it, that was way dumb. It, as, of, as we're recording this, there hasn't been a decision uh, of where he's not been suspended or not. I'm hopefully they just don't suspend him and they move on because he didn't really throw a punch. But now with the ref thing and him kind of gathering himself and charging him, he might get the suspension just for the charge, right? Yeah, he's, he, you, you have to suspend him because, I mean, number one, he it was it was premeditated as hell, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you catch one in the balls and you push a guy back right in the neck, right? Like some something that Nene did, which I thought was bullshit. Right, but, and I joked around. I, I was joking with some people after the game. I was like, Uber really needs to consult Keith Morris on how to subtly – get somebody back during the course of the game when the ref's eyes aren't on you. You know, you got to take little shots during the game. But in this play, he should have gotten up. He should have, you know, did the exaggerated Dennis Rodman clap and just take the L. You know, you got hit in the face and get him later. But now he just, he costs, first of all, he's a marked man. And you're going to taking a player who's already super aggressive on the defensive end yeah. and putting a bullseye on him. So he's just going to be, the refs aren't going to let him get comfortable the remainder of the series. And he's definitely, I mean, I'd be shocked if he played tomorrow. Yeah. What Doris Burke actually mentioned is that it wasn't so much the screen, which obviously was above, underneath the chin, whether you want to debate it's legal or not. And it's laughable that Stephen A. Smith thinks that's Mihimi's fault. Because that was not what made him mad. And, and second of all is that there was a pick before, I think, that he hit him. And he, like, shouldered Ubre. So it was, like, two picks in a roll that set him off. I don't know if he actually talked after, afterwards. I think he said something uh, yesterday at m- media availability, which I wasn't there. But what, yeah, he was what, nowhere to be found after the game. Yeah, what actually happened? I think he, he joked about it. Like, what actually set him off? And, you know, Olin, it's a dirty player. He has a reputation as being this person around would have heard some commentary. I mean, not dirty, dirty, like a subtle dirty player, like a John Stockton dirty, which you really don't understand it. But uh, his reaction totally was over, over reaction, and it's going to hurt and cost the team. Uh, hopefully not a game. I mean, but I mean, hopefully it's not more than one game. Hopefully it's just one game, dude. But anyway, Rashad, what I thought, too, that was really funny about this, not funny, is that in the replay, you know, you have Sadoransky who's, like, grabbing his mouth, but Marquis and John Wall don't have any reaction at all, dude. <laughs> like, they, they literally didn't even flinch. It was like, they're selling the bench going, like, I can just see their internal mind be like, what the hell are you doing, dude? <laughs> and that's how you know they weren't totally on board. Like, they're, they're just looking like, I mean, first of all, they can't leave the bench. Yeah. But... It was like you know, a, it was like a younger brother, younger cousin, or nephew that did something really stupid, and you're just like, "Are you serious, dude?" You know. <laughs> and uh, after after the uh, after the game, they asked Marquise, "You know, what did you say? What did you say to uh, to Uber?" And he was like, "I told him he might as well start walking now because he's about to get ejected." <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, everybody was kind of talking in that big brother tone. He's got to keep his cool. He's got to keep his head, but. You know, and it's not even, it wasn't even a, a sense where 
he something was needed out of the Wizards to get them going. They were up 20. You know, it's, three minutes after he left, they were up 26. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the game was over at that point. Um, so it that's not the kind. Even Marquise said that's not really the kind of toughness I was talking about. You know, so you know it's it's a learning experience. I, I you know I think that he'll he's going to struggle the next game that he plays, but you know I. I do. I respect the toughness. I respect that kind of fire. I just don't like the timing of it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very off. Yeah. The, 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 you know, we also have to discuss. Yes. We'll, we'll get to yeah. this. We have to discuss that Bill Flop though. Let's <laughs> talk about it right now. <laughs> I mean, that that was again when you sit on the ceiling in the hockey press box, you can't see the minutia on TV. And from our vantage point, like there was a guy next to me that said, "Oh, he tripped him," and, I, and that's what it looked like. And then I get home. I recorded the game and I get home and I see that he took a, I mean, he looked like a, <laughs> like a dolphin, man. He just dive and flail. And it, it was, it was, I was like, like, it was like he was jumping in the pool or something, right? Like, right. Ah! And then he started clapping profusely as if he had tricked the system or something. It's, that's not something you're used to seeing from, from Bradley Bill. I was like, come on, man. That's, that's not, that's not toughness. I mean, it worked, but that was, I'm surprised that he, I wouldn't be surprised if he got fined for that. Hey man, I'll support the outcome, but I won't support that way of life. No, no, no. Speaking of uh, the other thing that stood out to me as well, once again we mentioned is just John Wall. I mean, twenty-four points, eight assists. You know, he was only seven and nine from the field, nine and ten from the free throw line. Uh, only one turnover, plus twenty-five. Sat out the fourth quarter essentially. Controlled this game from the jump and limited, you know, not just Isaiah. They, they were running a bunch of other players, like I mentioned. But Thomas, you know, 13 points, uh, 3 of 8 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. Isaiah Thomas didn't even make a 1-3 pointer and was minus 19. So, once again, he wins that matchup. I and mean, Crowder and Bradley combined for 21 points. So, you know, they didn't have much. But John Wall, I mean, he's screaming. He's mean mugging. He threw the sick dime to uh, Bogdanovich. He's flexing. He went and one. He went that and one on Crowder. You just knew, like, yo, man, I'm not gonna fight you, Crowder, because I don't like you. I'm just gonna go right at your ass and you know bust you down. And they had no real answer for John Wall once again. And he has pretty much dominated this whole series offensively. And you know now four games straight if you count closing out Atlanta. And I know sometimes it's hard to overlook, and and we're gonna nitpick him on his defense here and there because it can be better. But just the way that he has just Taking these ball games and going right at him is something that we need to comment on because it's been remarkable. Well, to me, the most important quarter he played was that third quarter because the third quarter, you figure Boston's going to go on a run. You're going to have a bit of a letdown. I think Boston closed it to 19 yep. at early, early in the third quarter, and, and John Wall just took over. And he, I mean, he didn't. He really did not back off. He kept the pressure on. He kept running the ball up, and I think that was that was just. just you know, besides how he started, I think that was his most important contribution of the night to keep the Boston keep Boston from getting on a run. And ultimately, what he did by that, I think he had 12 points in the quarter. He bought himself a whole quarter long of rest in in the fourth quarter. So he he has not been the reason that the Wizards are down in, in the series. He's he's played magnificently. He's controlled the tempo, and I think he knows that he can get anywhere he can he wants to go on the court against Boston. And I think that's that's. That's an important confidence for him. Yeah, he even dapped up Beal's mom in the crowd. After. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> and then how about this one? I didn't even catch it live until I saw all these retweets about how supposedly John Wall Street or free throw, and he said, this is for you, ho. 
And a guy for Sports Illustrated, I don't know where he's at. He's in social media for a living. He retweets it. I responded, was like, yo, dude, he said this is for you. Oh, as in he was looking at Otto Porter. I had a couple fans come back to me, and I was like, hey, don't say bad things about Wall, because I, I could sit there and say, I could see how they would over-exaggerate that. But then I had a couple of the fans be like, dude, I want him to say that's for you, huh? <laughs> like, he actually wanted it to be that. He wanted, he wanted John Hall to talk shit to, to that. Uh, did you see what I'm talking about on the free throw line? I, I didn't see it. I saw it after the game. You know, I was initially I was like, if he said it, of course he did because you have you have to keep up with the death row vibe. You got to say something flagrant like that. Yes. But you know, it it, it well, I'm, I think he said, oh, and it, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, I, I'm sure that Wall and other players have said things much much worse. I mean, hell, the GM said something much worse in, in game two when he was. Or I don't know if that was game one or two, but. Our beloved GM had some choice words for the Boston game, crap, so. game, Oh, it was game one. Remember after Danny Ainge was complaining in the... he was It was a Danny Ainge was underneath the hoop complaining after a foul, which was totally a foul. And then they showed Grunfeld later and Grunfeld was pissed. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's not a big deal. I, I think as we move forward to, to game four, what you want is you want the Wizards to be playing exactly like they were at their peak in game three. Just hit the ground... And not struggle, not you know any of that. You want them to hit the ground running because I'm pretty sure that Brad Stevens is going to run some plays to get Isaiah off and get him to the foul line fairly quickly. Yeah, another thing about that death row is that Ubre was wearing a death row T-shirt uh, before the game, so he's trying, he's trying about that life a little bit too much. <laughs> he just turned off the puck. Uh, Rashad, so moving to game four. But, before I finish, uh, go to game four, I want to finish some of these quotes in the, in the post-game and tell me what your reactions were, what you saw uh, after uh, during the media availability. Uh, I, I saw Isaiah Thomas said that he was bitching about the refs in the third quarter and that they decided the game or some quotes to that, which, of course, once again, the Wizards were up 23 points. The refs had nothing to do with uh, them losing. I thought that was just ridiculous, considering that the refs gifted him two free throws to help his team win game two. Uh, and here he is bitching in a blowout loss about the officials. Gerald Green also was quoted. You know, Gerald Green, who uh, went uh, scored eight points, three of eight. He was quoted as saying, we are going to beat their ass in game four. I don't know if you saw any of these quotes, or what was your recollection of the mood in the locker room and post game availability? I was I, I was in the uh, I wasn't in the podium. I was in the Wizards locker room, um, but I did hear that Isaiah Thomas quote, and this is disappointing. I mean, you could both teams have reason to dislike what the refs have called, but when you get blown out the way the Wizards did, it has nothing to do with officiating. Absolutely nothing. It has to the do Celtics with. The Celtics shot eight more free throws too, dude. Keep right. Going, so it was. Going. I mean, and the Wizards lost a player. I mean, they lost a, a major rotation player. So, you know, I don't. That's sour grapes, and you'd like to see a player of his caliber be a little more gracious in defeat um, and take a cue out of their from their head coach and just say they played well. We'll be back. I don't have a problem with Joe Green saying we're going to kick their ass. I mean, you'd like it for it to be a player who actually matters. Who says something like that? But, not, not one who should be benched, right? Not one who's in and out of the lineup. But you know, I don't. I don't mind that. I don't mind that bravado. I think that. But ironically enough, by him saying that, the refs are really going to be on this game. I think this is going to be the. From an officiating standpoint, everybody's going to be unhappy tomorrow because they're going to be calling it close, and and they should. I mean, they're they're in a bad position where, if anything even looks like a foul, they have to call it because if they allow things to escalate, it's going to get ugly. So 
I don't, you know, I don't mind what Gerald Green said. There might be some consequences, but I thought that Isaiah Thomas just—it's just sour grapes. You're the MVP. You come, I mean, you're the MVP of the series, basically. You're just coming off a 53-point game, and you lose by 26. Just give the Wizards some credit. Don't don't blame the refs. Yeah, I, it was it was unbelievable. What a couple of calls. Give me a break. Who did you interview in the Wizards locker room? Uh, first, it was uh, Bradley Beal. And then uh, I'm drawing uh, Markeith Morris, mm-hmm. and that was it. The, there were uh, Otto and um, Gortat got the podium game. That's so, true. Yeah, and both were, both were great. I mean, Otto was, had 19 points, plus 15, uh, eight of 13. His mid range game was really going. He had eight rebounds, three steals. Uh, Gortat went 13 points, 16 rebounds, plus 22, uh, one block. And six of twelve from the field. I mean, they, those are what we need out of those two players, and a guy from the bench step up because it can't just be all wall and be all the time. And Brad Stevens made a good point. I don't know if it was before, or after. I think it was after the game, and he said he was like, "Look, I think Otto played well in the closing moments of Game Two, even though the Celtics came back and won. He credited Otto for hitting that shot. Yeah. Uh, so he said that he just fed off that momentum and continued to play well. I think he's finally starting to get out of that funk that he was in. In the season, and he's, you know, that that's key. If he is that third scorer, if he's making it difficult to hide Isaiah Thomas, Gortat, his rebounding has been amazing. You know, you 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 think, I mean, I think Al Horford had two rebounds the whole night. So it, his his rebounding has been key, keeping you know he had four offensive rebounds, keeping his possessions alive. So there, I, thought, I, thought he play, I thought he played some of the best help defense that he's had too. He really showed off his man and really, you know. Played around, I would say protecting the rim per se, but just being a big body for some of those clogs up some of those driving lanes. He did, and I, I'm, I was a little surprised that Brad Stevens did not start Amir Johnson or start a legitimate big man out there because we all know that Gortat has he he picks up fouls in bunches, and you could you could have just done that and had him out of the way. So I'm um, I'm very curious to see a what Brad Stevens does in terms of the lineup and b who he chooses to focus on um, offensively or for the Wizards, who he, who he wants to target because he has to do something different and very early in the game as well. So, we, yeah, that, that goes into uh, game four here, Rashad. What, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT at the phone booth. I will be there. What are the keys to this game four? You know, it's been heated. It's probably one of the best series right now of the playoffs uh, from an entertainment standpoint. You know, 2-2 is way different than 3-1 going back to Boston. I mean, this is... Yeah, ask the Caps. Yeah, ask the Caps. Know this as well. And, and also, I was thinking about, you know, the Pacers two years ago when, uh, you know, the Wizards, it was 2-1, they were down, and they blew a 18-point lead there in the fourth quarter, and Paul George went nuts. I mean, he could have been 2-2 going back to Indiana. Instead, it goes 3-1. They win in Indiana and then lose at home in six games. But, hey, it's 2-2 going back to Boston. And it's a completely different 1-3. It's pretty much uh, got to win three in a row, which is not a good probability, Rashad. So huge stakes on this game. You know, once again, the Wizards, I think the offense is just rolling, man. But what do you see here as the keys here to a victory to tie this series up, man? Number one, Bogdanovich has to stay hot. I mean, that just puts pressure on Boston. That's something that they... He has to stay hot. The bench has to continue to play well. Number two, I'd like to see Bill have one of those 30 to 40 point games 
to take the pressure off the rest of the Wizards' offense. Um, and I'm, I know that's kind of selfish to say, but he plays so well in those opening minutes. I'd like to see some sustained uh, greatness. And finally, the defense. The Wizards cannot let up. They can't get complacent. They have to continue to play that kind of defense. As you mentioned, um, Gortat has to show, I think, their wall. Who? Let's give him credit for his defense. He, he was closer to Isaiah Thomas just physically and Bradley. He did a much better job in guarding him. So that intensity has to be evident. And what cannot happen is Boston getting out to a 10-0 run or something like that, taking out of the crowd and putting the Wizards into desperation mode. So I, I, those are my three keys to the game. I will not be at the game, unfortunately. So lucky yeah. you. Yeah, lucky, yeah, lucky me. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, it will be incredible or I'll be wanting to jump from the rafters. Rashad, yeah, they, they held the Boston to 35% shooting, 27-77 from the field, 10-32 from three, 31%. And they themselves shot 46%, 32 from three for the Wizards. So, I mean, to hold Boston to 35% shooting, is it was massive. I mean, they... If we look at this game, I mean, the Wizards playing defense in the game three has pretty much been the difference because if you look, both teams played offensively really good on you know games one and game two. It just came down to some plays and Wizards not being able to get stops and and then of course that crazy overtime game two. But then here the Wizards' offense still was humming. So if, if who can play defense uh, and and you know hold someone to a seventeen point quarter like the Wizards did to Boston in game three in, in, in the opening period? Is that I think that is the difference, and also you know the Wizards had six starters in double figure. I mean six players in double figures, all five starters. You know it could have been even more if you know they could have more points. But that balance scoring, especially exploiting Isaiah Thomas, do the same game plan on offense. You know Keith Gortat and Porter take their matchups. I mean they're one on one matchups. They can't really check them half the time. I mean the Wizards, the Celtics usually have a smaller guy on them, and not do too much in the sense that. You know, Beal looks sometimes looks uncomfortable on the post a little bit, or you know, like oh, just take this big guy off the dribble. You know, like do what you do what you do uh, offensively. So don't try to do too much. As in, you know, I don't need like Otto Porter just backing down here and there. But if Otto Porter gets the ball on Isaiah, you know, make a quick move and go up and, and draw the defense, uh, draw the big over, so then maybe Gortat can get the offensive putback. And I think once again, yeah, you're right. I mean, Beal and Wall. This starts with they have to once again be the two best players in this series uh, against Isaiah, and I think that they'll have a chance to tie this up. Tensions will be high, and, and play, they can't do anything stupid, uh, you know, get drawn into some type of dirty game that I know Marcus Smart is uh, waiting for to happen, Rashad. But uh, thanks, dude. Uh, this is a morning podcast, a quick morning podcast. This, this is weird. What, what do you got going on the rest of the day, man? I'm about to go to practice here uh, to interview them. Wizards media availability at twelve thirty, so I'm hoping to get the podcast after up after that. What do you got going on today on your Best, Saturday? You're being a very responsible journalist. Yes, because I, the wife and I, we sent the kid away. We're getting ready to go have brunch. But anyway, thank you everyone for uh, joining us. Thank you, Rashad, for taking time for me. As always, go Wizards! Peace.
girl, you got to behave. We were sipping summer shandies, getting rolled by the waves. You were dripping all the sand off all them golden legs. When I'm whipping out the jammy, girl, I entered the cave. Put back to square one, could you spare one square, son? About to feed that snare drum. Girl, be singing something like, ooh, he's handsome. Hold you up for ransom. Don't be scared, huh? That's my anthem, no tantrum. Now you're looking at me like you wanna switch your man. Take your ass to Switzerland, get it tan, hit the fanny. Kids with the nanny, called up the granny. She only speaking Spanish like, ooh, we can finish. At the school, we will finish from the pool of Atlantis. Uh, you were cruel and romantic, but the stuff cut Slightest tint. 